Ditchers, welcome to Rise on Fire. My name is PD, and today I am so excited to talk to you about everything there is to know, everything you need to know about counting the Omer. This kind of interesting instruction in the middle between the feasts. And it's so important, so amazing, because it's in your New Testament. Yeshua, Jesus makes reference to it. And I want to tell you about it today, because right now we are in the counting of the Omer. And what is so amazing about the biblical calendar is if we understand where we are in the biblical calendar at any point right now in this year, we can connect our life to the lives of the disciples, the Messiah, things that they were going through. And we can kind of position ourselves in our spiritual walk and navigate the obstacles in front of us alongside our father, alongside the word that he has given us and entrusted us with. So I'm very excited to do that today. Counting the Omer is so amazing because it's what we have is we have the Feast of Passover, right? This is where Yeshua was taken as our Passover lamb and he died for our sins. He was then put in the grave on the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We have him raised on the Feast of First Fruits. And then, and then we have the counting of the Omer, a 50 day count of seven weeks until we reach Shavuot, or very well known as. Pentecost. And what is so you may remember counting of the Omer in the New Testament when Yeshua speaks to his disciples, right? He is raised from the dead at this point because we're after first fruits. So he's raised up and now he has appeared to them and he speaks to them. And he says in Luke 24, verse 49, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem. Stay, wait in Jerusalem, count down the days until you are clothed with power from heaven. And this is was being spoken from the mouth of our Messiah at the same time as the counting of the Omer was happening in Israel. And of course, his disciples are familiar as they have been keeping all the feasts with him alongside him. So there's obviously a connection that's being made here. They may not fully understand it yet, but now where we are, we can look back and we have great revelation that we can look upon and how we our lives connect with that today. Now, let's to understand this. Let's go back. Let's go back to the place where the counting of the Omer was really first given to us. And that's in the book of Leviticus, chapter 23. God is going through all the feast days. This is like a summary, beautiful summary he's giving us. And and he mentions the counting of the Omer and how that is to be uh, counted. All right. And so we're going to look at how do we count? Like from what day do we start? Because there's a little bit of controversy around that. And then how do we spiritually celebrate, spiritually observe in our lives this. All right. So I want to start off by going to Leviticus uh, 23, verse 15 with you. And what we read is the following. Let me switch it here to different translation. And you shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheep of 
the wave offering. Right. And then he says in verse 16, you shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a grain offering of new grain to, of, to the Lord. Now, to just give you all some context, right? We have Passover that was and all the other feasts are being explained in this chapter. Passover has been explained as being this feast on the 14th day of the month, on the of the first month. Then we have the next day. The 15th day, we have unleavened bread begin. This is a seven day feast, where of which the first and the seventh day of that feast of unleavened bread is called a high Sabbath. In other words, you are to rest from your labors, similar to you how we have the weekly Sabbath every Saturday, seventh day. This is a high Sabbath and it can fall in the midst of the week since it's connected to a feast day observance. All right, and then after unleavened bread, Okay, we have now this Feast of First Fruits. And the Feast of First Fruits is important to us because it will determine when do we start counting the count counting of the Omer. Because we start on the Feast of First Fruits. Now, to understand the fe- when the Feast of First f- the Feast of First Fruits begins, uh, we have to figure out what does he mean when he talks about what we just read regarding the Sabbath, because remember, he talked about and let me let me go to you, uh, Leviticus 23, verse 11. And he said, and he and and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted on the day after the Sabbath. The priest shall wave it. OK, so we will be wait. It should the, the sheaf is waved. This is happening um, during on first fruits. And this is happening, as it says, the day after the Sabbath. Now, what is that Sabbath? This is really one of the big questions because some people believe that Sabbath to be the high Sabbath of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Or others could believe it to be the weekly Sabbath. right? And this is really a big question because it will totally change the way you count the counting of the over, of course. Now, I'm going to tell you my personal opinion, my what I think, what I see in the scriptures regarding this. And I want you to just chew on that. This is not I'm not dogmatic about it. I don't think we should be. I don't think we should fight. I don't think we should argue. I, I, I can dwell in unity with whatever you believe regarding it. But this is what I see. Right. And I think in my opinion, it's it's actually quite simple. All right. So I believe that when it talks about the Sabbath, um, the, the, the day after the Sabbath, when we start counting, I believe it's talking about the weekly Sabbath not the high Sabbath of unleavened bread. And there are three reasons I believe that. The first is very simple to me in terms of how obvious I think it is. And it is simply that when we look at the feast of um, Shavuot, right, the feast of Pentecost, which is where we are really counting down towards, what we see is that This is a strange thing to do compared to the other feasts, which God typically tells us, like with Passover, on the 14th day of the first month, that's Passover. Or, you know, on trumpets, it's on the first day. Or, you know, he tells us the day of the month that most of the feasts are. But when it comes to Shavuot, he says he doesn't have a day. We need to count down 50 days 
from the sab from the day after the Sabbath. Now, if we knew what that day of the Sabbath was, it was always going to be the X day of the month. God could have also simply told us that, well, Shavuot, Pentecost is going to be the X day, this or that day of this or that month. And it would always be static every day, every day of the every year. But it's not because it and, and this only makes sense when we see that the Sabbath being talked about this is the weekly Sabbath, which will be different each year when we have uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. In other words, you have the Feast of Unleavened Bread, let's just say on Tuesday this year, then that high that high Sabbath will be the next Tuesday, but the weekly Sabbath will be always that coming Saturday. And so I guess my point is just that um, because Shavuot must be counted every year, we this is an indicator that this has to be a weekly Sabbath. And another thing to look for that I think speaks to it being a weekly Sabbath is that we must be counting 50 days, right? And then it says in Leviticus 23, 16, you should count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Now, if we counted 50 days after the high Sabbath of unleavened bread, we will we may not get to another Sabbath. We likely would not because there is no high Sabbath 50 days later after the Feast of Unleavened Bread's high Sabbath. But there is a, a, a Sabbath, a weekly Sabbath, 50 days after the weekly Sabbath that if it that we would count down from if it was a weekly Sabbath, we ought to count down from. Right. And then lastly, I think before I can move on with this for with you guys, is that if this was um, a, a, a high Sabbath, then Jesus could never resurrect on first fruits because, of course, the highest Sabbath is on the first day and on the seventh day of the Feast of um, Unleavened Bread. Excuse me. Did I? Yes. Unleavened Bread. A lot of feasts going around here. And but so if we see that it's the feast of uh, the, that the, the 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 counting starts after the weekly Sabbath, well, then it would make sense because we can get that three days and three nights in there. All right, guys, I know this is a lot to chew on. You know, this is just some things for some of you who've been thinking about this to think about. Um, and I hope it blesses you. But now here's what I think often happens, right? And this is, I want to get to the meat of this, is we get really excited about the counting of, okay, you know, we have ministries who put up the count. Okay, it's day five, it's day 10, it's, it's we're at day 49. And I love that. I really do. I think it's awesome and it's part of it, right? Is we're, we're counting. It's part of the observance. But I want to submit to you something humbly here today that we can get really consumed with the counting and you know, figuring that out and being on top of that. And we could be have been counting that every year, yet have never actually counted the Omer. And, and, and the reason that I say that is the counting of the Omer is not just about counting days. It's about understanding really what you're counting down to. It's really, you see, when you look at the disciples and when Yeshua told them to go and wait in Jerusalem for them to be clothed from power on high, they there were things happening in their lives that while they were counting, they weren't just counting numbers. There was things that they were doing. And that's what I want you to see here. 
So I want us to go open up in Luke 24. Verse 51. And I'm going to read here for you. Okay, it says. All right, he and it came to pass while he blessed them, he parted from them and he was carried up to heaven and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Right. So I want you to see this. It says that they when he was when Yeshua ascended, right, they returned to Jerusalem, the place that he told him to with great joy, it says. They were continually in the temple. The temple was the place seen as being in God's presence. So they were continually in the presence of God, praising and blessing God, it says. Right. So we see that they didn't weren't just going to Jerusalem to count, which is great. Right. They're waiting. They're counting down the days to that <coughs> to Shavuot. However, we see that they were in his presence, drawing near, more near than ever before, closer to him, praising him, blessing his name. And now think about this. Israel, when they were at where Shavuot first happened at Mount Sinai, remember, we had the original Passover, we had the original unleavened bread when they left Egypt and then they came into at Mount Sinai, right? And they met God there. And we have Moses preparing the tablets of stone with the father to present to Israel. And as this is all happening, what is Israel busy doing? They are at the base of the mountain, preparing a golden calf, at least thinking about how they're going to be doing this, how they're going to be melting a calf to say, Look, Israel, this is your God who has brought you out from Egypt. And of course, at the end of that day, what happened? Moses came down and he sees what happens. He breaks the commandments. And at the end of it all, 3000 people die. But then when we look at Mount Zion, where the Holy Spirit was poured out, you see Mount Mount Sinai, God came to give his Torah, his truth, his law the tablets of stone to Israel. And then on Mount Zion, we have God giving his spirit, pouring that out in Acts chapter two upon the people. And in that place, 3000 are baptized in contrast to the 3000 that die at Mount Sinai, because the Holy Spirit finally gives them the ability to repent, to be struck, to pierced in their heart, to have the law written on their heart to want to and have the ability to obey the instructions that were given all those thousands of years before. And now they are filled with joy, with praising God. It even says that they were in unity dwelling together. That was another thing that we need to be doing if we want to be receiving the Holy Spirit. And so I'm telling you all of this because as we count down to Shavuot, as we count down these 50 days to Pentecost, we need to prepare ourselves spiritually in continually getting in the temple, in the presence of God, in, in praising and blessing his name, dwelling in unity with people and looking forward in anticipation to him pouring out his spirit upon us all yet again, as he so desires to do, as he renews us and gives us a fresh 
outpouring of His Spirit to anoint us to be His witnesses. Now, I want to read to you another uh, verse here in Acts 1, verse 8. Okay, and this is how Yeshua, this is another chap, uh, chapter now where Yeshua's all, it's another account of the ascension, which we just read about earlier. And we see now Yeshua speaking, but you will receive power. And after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And he says in verse 9, and when, and it says, when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. All right. So I want you to see this, how he told them, I want you to be my witnesses across the earth. This is what I desire for you to do with my Holy Spirit. I'm about to pour on you at the coming moment that you are going to be waiting for counting down to Pentecost Shavuot. By the way, Pentecost literally means 50 in the Greek. It's all about this countdown. And we, as we count down, we need to ask ourselves, are we just counting down or are we willing to be his witnesses? Because God forbid we count, we count, we count, but we're not willing to be his witnesses. What are we counting for? What are we counting for if we're not looking forward to be filled with his spirit in order to be his witnesses? Because I don't know about you, but I don't want him to return and say, well, why did you count? But you did not do. Why did you count? You observed it. You knew it. You knew about all of this. But you weren't my witnesses, even though I gave you everything you needed. This isn't that missing the entire point of all of this. If the last thing he told us to do is never done by us. So what if he returns one day and reminds us of the last thing he told us to do when he left? And he says, now, well, 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 were you my witnesses to the ends of the earth? What did that look like in your life? Did you actually make the counting of the Omer something that you used to audit yourself to make sure that the Holy Spirit is actually playing a role in your life and that you aren't just living in your flesh, not allowing him to move through you? to touch people around you and be the witness you're supposed to be. Come on. Hallelujah. God wants us to be set free, filled with his spirit, anointed and have good feet, uh, beautiful feet that are going to bring the gospel to others. All right. Uh, The uh, next thing that I want to talk about here is how, like I mentioned earlier, right? They had this weight of anticipation of, of, of waiting in Jerusalem, right? But you know what I want to tell you about anticipation is that it's hard to be anticipating something when you don't know what you're anticipating. It's hard to to be excited about the Holy Spirit if you don't know what his Holy Spirit is for or who he really is in the first place. You know, I, I grew up Dutch reformed myself, right? Uh, in fact, some of my ancestors were like the Huguenots came down from the Europe, from Europe to fleeing to South Africa, the Catholic persecution during the Reformation, right? My heritage is Reformed, Dutch Reformed, right? And so when I grew up as a child in that church, right, I love many aspects of it. But one thing that was unfortunately lacking was an understanding of the Holy Spirit, right? 
I, I did not have a teaching, a concept of truly who the Holy Spirit was and what he could do in my life. You see, the Holy Spirit was seen as some teacher who teaches the help me understand the word better. And he does do that. But he was not it was not told to me that the Holy Spirit could actually work in me powerfully, that he could do in me things that he did in Yeshua, that he is the same spirit that raised Yeshua from the dead, that he can do raise the dead again, that he can do miracles, heal the sick, that he has given me authority over demons, that he has given me power in the name of Yeshua to do things in his name and set people free. I did not any un, have any understanding of what is possible. And I did not see that around me. And that's the big thing, guys. Listen, I did not see that anywhere around me at the time, right? I had I just didn't have that environment. And so I did not see it. But yet when I read my Bible, I had a a a fork in the road of will I believe even though I don't see. Will I believe what the word has said is in is the who is who the Holy Spirit is, even though I have not seen who he truly is in the physical around me yet? And this is a huge question for you today, because Thomas, right, when all of this stuff was going around with Yeshua, Jesus rising from the dead and all that, he, when he heard about it, he scoffed at the idea when the disciples brought that to him. And he said, unless I see the, the, his hands, the mark of the nails and place my finger in the mark and place my hand in his side, I will never believe. He says, I will never believe it until I see it. Have you ever heard that before? People say, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. I've heard that before. Thomas is saying, I will, I'll believe it when I see it. And some of you are saying, unless I see it for myself, I won't believe in his works today. I won't believe that his Holy Spirit can do the same miracles that he worked in the disciples and in the life of Yeshua. Jesus said, you will do the things that I did and greater things than these because I am going to my father in heaven. And remember what that means, because he said, it is good that I go to my father in heaven so that my Holy Spirit can come upon you. So the whole point of his spirit is com coming upon us is allowing his spirit to do the things at least that he did in the life of Yeshua, if not even greater things as Yeshua himself said, not me, Jesus said. And now, but look at Thomas, right? Thomas has this unbelief. I'll believe it when I see it, he says. Watch out for thinking that. Watch out for saying that about his Holy Spirit, because Thomas missed a blessing. You see, when Yeshua showed up in the life of Thomas, right? I want to let me open it here. I want you to see this for yourself, right? John chapter 20, verse 28. OK. Uh, so so Jesus shows up right in the life of Thomas, right? And Thomas says, my Lord, my God. And Jesus says, in verse 29, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. What kind of a blessing is Yeshua even talking about here? You see, when we look at what more carefully at what happened, even in this chapter, we realize some of what it was. You see, when we go just a bit earlier, we go to verse 22 here, 
right? Jesus is actually coming to the disciples and appearing to them first. And it says he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they'll forgiven. If you withhold it, it is withheld. And he look at what he says in verse 24. Now, Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin was not with them when Jesus came. Jesus understood Thomas's unbelief. He knew it. He saw it. And because of that, Thomas lost the honor of being present when he arrived the first time to do what? To breathe on the disciples for them to receive the Holy Spirit. You see, your unbelief and your attitude of, oh, believe it when I see it. Oh, believe in the works and the power and the Holy Spirit and what he can do and wants to do through me when I see it. That will, unbelief will keep you from the Holy Spirit working in your life. That's why people are in this cycle. They are on this cycle of unbelief. They don't see the Holy Spirit work because they don't have unbelief. And they say they will not believe until they see him work. But then they will never see him work because of their unbelief. And it is this endless cycle of never seeing the Holy Spirit work. But then you have people who say, I don't see him anywhere. But God, his, he, it's in the Bible. God, your Holy Spirit, you're here. All over the word. Lord, I want to know about this. I want, I want to believe that this is real and that you actually can do in my life what you've done in this Bible. And if you would take that leap of faith to believe, even though you have not seen, it would be like Yeshua said, blessed are those, blessed are those who have not seen, but yet have believed. So my question is today, will you be a Thomas? Or will you be blessed? I'm not saying Thomas never got the Holy Spirit. We don't know. I believe he likely did later. But in this moment, he missed an opportunity. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss any opportunity of Yeshua breathing his spirit on me. I don't want to have that pass me by. I don't think you want to. So let's start believing even when we don't see. And maybe then God can breathe on us and maybe then we can step out in faith and see him work through us. Because, see, having the Holy Spirit work through you means like, look, I like I said, I, I didn't have any. I didn't see anything, but I still stepped out. <clears throat> I still said. God, I don't see it, but Lord, I'll step out. I'll go, Lord, you, you I'll go on the streets. God, I'll find someone to pray for. I'll find someone who's sick. I'll go and lay my hand on the sick because that's what your Bible said I should do. Lay, they will, the believers will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. God, I don't know, but I'll do that. And I did that. I went out on the streets. I lay my hands on the sick person and they got well. And I was more shocked than they were. But yet I had enough faith to at least go and say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but here I am. Use me. What will you do with this? Will you count down to something but never do? Or will you count down, praise God, but not just count? You start seeing and doing. You, you do and then you see because you do. Because he works through you. Because you step out in faith. I see, brothers and sisters, time is ticking this day. And the question is going to be is, are you going to be waiting in Jerusalem to be clothed? with power from on high, because that's what the counting of the Omer really is. 
That's what it's all about. And so that's what I desire for you. And so today, I, I, I thank you so much for tuning in live with me. I want to take this opportunity to pray with you and your family for this season, for us to be able to keep this feast, not just on a physical level, but on a spiritual level, a deeper level of building anticipation and building or growing our faith to see him move in our lives. So, Father, I just pray right now for every person who's in the chat today and who's listening to this. Father, I pray right now, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you would come and put a burning hunger and desire in their hearts to 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 want to be filled and step out in faith more than ever before. Lord, you put such a desire in my heart all those years ago, God, that I would grew so hungry that I could not do anything but step out. And I ask the same for everyone listening, that you would convict them, that you would give them a hunger and a desire that that and that that hunger would be much greater than the fear of man, that that hunger would be much greater than the voices of men who said that's impossible. I pray, Lord, that you, you Lord, I thank you that you're the God of the impossible. And I pray that you would give us the faith to believe in who you truly are. God, Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, and you would enter households at the sound of my voice. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would give them the courage to step out of their comfort zone, Lord, and be a witness. I pray, Lord, that you would give them the courage, Lord, to open their mouth and speak in tongues for those who you've given that desire to. I pray, Lord, that you would give them the faith to step out and lay their hands on the sick for those who you've given that desire to. Lord, I pray, Lord, for 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 those, Lord, who you want to use in deliverance to cast out demons, I pray, Lord, that you would bring the demons to their doorstep and give them this discernment to cast them out. Father, I pray, Lord, for those, Lord, who, who you want to speak through in prophecy, those who you want to give interpretation of tongues to, those who you want to give dreams and visions to. Father, I pray, Lord, for those you want to give words of wisdom to and words of knowledge to, supernatural words to give to other people to set them free. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would come and move with your spirit upon the people, Lord, this Shavuot. And they would be changed, Lord. I don't want to have just another year. I don't I want to see change, Father. And God, I ask that you would come and bring change upon the people listening to this today. Hey, look, if this is you in the chat, just say amen. Just say amen. I just want you to, I want to see your name. I want to pray for you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just give Everyone in the chat today, Lord, and everyone who's listening today, Lord, Lord, I want you to just see them where they're at, Father. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would, as we grow closer to this time, Lord, that you would see how hungry we are, that we want to enter your presence continually. We want to have the joy of the Lord. We want to praise you. We want to bless your name, Father, because you have given us uh, your Son, Lord. You've given us your Holy Spirit, Father. We thank you for that, Lord, but we don't want to just say thank you. We want to give back to your kingdom, God. And we ask, God, that you would empower us to do so, Father. Lord, there is nothing we can do without your Holy Spirit. Father, your Holy Spirit is what we live and breathe by. And we realize that without you, we are like a clanging cymbal. And we need your love, Lord, to fill us up. And we ask for your love to be at the forefront of our lives. You see, brothers and sisters, the thing is about the spiritual gifts and about the Holy Spirit is that it flowed out of Yeshua from his compassion on people, from his love for people first. And so I pray that you would 
you would gather a love in your heart for people, that you would grow a hunger in your heart to reach the lost and not just be angry at people who are sinners and not just point the finger at people who are sinners, but rather for you to grow a compassion on their situation and their lack of understanding of who the Lord is. The Father has had so much patience on us, and I believe that he wants us to extend patience to people who are who are suffering and who need our witness. So, brothers and sisters, please listen, share this teaching with you people around you. I pray that people would be touched with this counting of the Omer, that they would actually keep it this year the way that the Father always intended so that they can find freedom in their household. I want to just say a special thank you so much for everyone joining here today. And um, please remember, we're live every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And I want to say a special thank you to our partners who've made this teaching possible this month and every other month and, and every other teaching this month. And if you want to find out more how to become a partner, you can visit us at riseonfar.com. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love you guys. Shalom.